You're listening to a message from New Life Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Am I? I think it's because I write the check. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I know Renee likes me and I like Renee. Welcome. It's good to see you. Good morning. It really is. This is uh, good to be here. It really is good to spend time with you. We've been gone for, as I said earlier, the last uh, four weeks. And uh, I want to thank you. I really do. Uh, really from the bottom of our hearts, Annette and I and our family want to thank you for, you know, being a place, being a church where you can actually get away. You know, the pastor can get away and, hey, nothing burned down. Everybody, uh, everybody's doing really well. And uh, I, I want to thank you for giving us permission to do that, helping us do that, encouraging us to do that. So we did a lot of different things the four weeks we were gone. One of the things we did is we hung out with family. That was a lot of fun. We went to uh, Central Oregon, and uh, uh, that is a picture of three of my five grandkids. And we had a blast on the Deschutes. You know, it's so much fun now because they're old enough, they actually just jump in. Uh, you know, so it's like, wow, this, they're growing up here. This is fun. And we had a, we had a, we had a great time and, and enjoyed it. Other things we did, we kind of had a smattering of a little, I wouldn't say work, but we did a retreat. Annette and I did a young uh, marriage retreat, young families retreat for pastors who probably most of them had only been in the ministry for maybe five years at the most. And so we went to Squim, Washington, hung out there with these young leaders, and we had, we had a blast. So there was a little work involved um, going to a family reunion. Some might define that as a little work as well, but it was, uh, we, we did, it was, it was good. Uh, I don't, though. I don't. Does everybody hear that? I don't define that as work. Okay, good. Whew. Wow, get off that one. Um, but we had a good time. We really enjoyed uh, the time away and I, want, I really do want to thank you. And I want to thank the, the team around here that just does so well, all of you being involved, things that you do. Uh, that, and a lot of things that we do that people don't actually get to see. But you are such participants here in church and community where you're at. And I want to thank you for doing that. The guys uh, who brought the word, who preached on the weekends, that was great. Pastor Dave, uh, Pastor Cullen, Pastor James, and, and uh, Pastor Sean Mason. And Sean, remember, uh, a missionary or really a pastor in Korcha, Albania. And I, I love Sean. He grew up here in this church. And you took an offering for him, you know. You know how much you gave him? You gave him $21,000. That's, that's a ton of money. Uh, that's, yeah, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of money. The great thing about it is it gets them a long, long way. Because Sean is doing what you've done. Uh, Sean is wanting to multiply and especially with young leaders, young adults, that's where a lot of that $21,000 is going to go. I've been to one of the villages that we want to plant a church and are really in the process of planting a church in a place called Goskov. Goskov is a moderate Muslim village. And we've been invited in to start church. And this is amazing what God's doing. The things that are going on, and Sean, you know, uh, I love Sean and Vita and what they've done and what they're going to continue to do. So, wow, your giving was like over the top, and it was great, and that's going to go a long, long way there, a long way there. I, I went into Korcha, spent one week. I had 10,000 lek. Does that sound like a lot? It's like 100 bucks, you know. I had 10,000 lek. It was $100, and I left with 
$50. So you don't spend a lot while you're there. So money, our money goes a long way. So thank you for your generosity. So today I'm going to do something that I don't really think I've done in the time that uh, you know I've been here as pastor. I, I've done parts of this where I've told our story. But today I want to give you more of, um, maybe, maybe more an exhaustive understanding of our story and who we are. And the reason we want to do that is very important. The reason we want to do that is when you know a bit of history, when you know the story that you're attached to, what it does for you is it allows you to understand you're a part of something bigger than yourself. And I think all of us need to know that. We need to know, wow, we're, we're attached to something a little bigger than ourselves. And the other thing it does is it gives you purpose, that you get into a place and you start to look at it and you think, wow, this is the DNA of the church, which you'll, you'll pick up as we talk about our story. There is a great God DNA that's, that's here in this church. And you get to say, I'm part of that God DNA. And we need to understand that kind of history. We have some of this written down. Uh, you know, it's in our archives. But to give some of the oral history, I think it's, it's just huge. And we're in that part of year where we want to talk about it. So you know that you have a firm foundation. That you know you're part of something that's going somewhere because they've already been somewhere. And uh, it's exciting to, to, to see what God's doing. So we were founded, this church was founded in November of 1978. It was founded by some great people, Jack and Linda Gustafson, and then a great core team uh, that came and were part of the church plant. So you are obviously a, a part of a church plant. That's where we started in 1978. The core team that came, great people, because it does, it's just not a pastor. It's a team. It's a core that comes, dedicated people. And, you know, we're blessed because a lot of those folks are still in this church today. I mean, that they, they came here in 1978, and they are still here. They are still committed, and it's exciting to see what God has done. Now, I did this last service. How many were here at the very beginning? Kind of the very beginning. There you go. Boston's okay. Ah, yeah, you were little then. You were a little girl back then. And then right after, the, the, like the first three years, I think Doug and Lori. Doug and Lori, by the way, I want to do something. Doug and Lori stand up. I, they don't know I'm going to do this. Here are our first youth pastors of Canby Four Square Church. So that's our first. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when I came, they resigned. So I don't know why. I mean, I'm still trying to figure that one out. You know, but, uh, but we, have, we do have just a great history here. And there are people here that have just dedicated their life and their, their ministry, their resources, their gifting to this community. You need to, you need to know that. You need to understand that because it's huge. It's bigger than us. It's bigger than me. This is a great thing, what God has really, uh, what he's done here. So the first church service was held in the Willamette Savings and Loan uh, building. It's no longer there, but there is a building there, and some of you might bank there. It's now Chase Bank on 4th and Holly. So if you bank there, you're walking on sacred ground, man. You didn't even know it, did you? You wondered why everything rumbled there. Oh, no, that's your giving your money away is why it feels like that. But you go in there, it's great. It's, uh, it, it's, uh, that's where we started. They outgrew the, the bank, the savings and loan, and they moved to Ackerman Middle School. And from Ackerman Middle School came here to this site. And uh, building number one across the parking lot was the first building there. I think it was a truck maintenance building. Is that what it was, Doug? So they brought in big old honking trucks to fix in that building. And, and we, we, we got it. And God opened the door for that to happen pretty raw. Man, there was just blackberries and gravel in a building. And so God just continued to move. And 
The Gustafsons were here for about seven and a half years before they left to plant a church in Florida. So now you're going to start to see a picture here of something that you're part of. They left to plant this church in Florida. From the church in Florida, uh, with a little hiatus, they went from there to Brazil and minister still in Brazil. And what they do is they do leadership training for Brazilian leaders and pastors, still there to this very day. So what did you do? You sent them out after seven and a half years to be missionaries, to be pastors. And wow, this is your legacy. Now, this is what's great about it. You are a sending church. Can I I say this? When when God puts DNA in you uh, and, and you're a sending church, you just can't help yourself because it's in you. This is what you do. Might not be the same for other churches, and that's all right, but for you, it's about being sent because the next pastor that came was Jim and Connie Kingsbury. They came in 1985, and it wasn't too long after they had been here for like two and a half years that they felt that same stirring. So what happened? Jim and Connie left in 1988 to be missionaries to the Middle East. Now, you think it's tough now there. It was tough back then. And so they were sent from here. You sent them again. So you, you, see, you see this picture unfolding. And uh, so they did. That, that, that's what they've done. That's what they've been doing is missionaries to, uh, to Muslim uh, uh, countries and people. And then Annette and I, uh, we had two boys at the time. Becca had not shown up yet. We arrived here on September, in September of 1988. Yeah. So we were there. Hey, you, they, you know what? I, I'm not sure. I, I wore a tie. To the office. I can't believe it. I'd never do that now. I don't know what. But I think that's kind of residual from the church I came from. It was a little more formal. But they got me out of that. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. You shook me loose fast. And I needed to be shaken loose. But there was a... And Becca was born, actually, after we, we arrived here. By the way, it'll be 28 years, two weeks from today, I think, is our 28th anniversary. It was right after... Yeah. I think it was right after Labor Day. So... Um, 28 years ago, um, we showed up in this place. So how did we get here? Um, This is how our story goes. Uh, Annette and I felt for, oh, probably four or five years before we arrived in Canby, that God was stirring our hearts to to pastor. And there were different churches that um, invited us to interview. Uh, none of them really wanted us. They probably wanted Annette. I'm not sure they wanted me. So uh, we, we just didn't, we didn't have that happen. And then the Lord just gave us this burden, this heart for this community. Because we would just get in the car and drive this way. This is before 205 was all the way through. So you come down 99. And we drove through this community and we said, wow, you know, there's something happening here. God is doing some good things in this community. And I remember one time we pulled in this parking lot and just kind of prayed. We sat there. And we just prayed. Now, listen, when you have a stirring for a place, a community, especially a church, best not to talk about it a lot when there is already a pastor here. So you don't, you know, you don't want to cut on anyone's action. So we just kind of prayed about it and told our pastor, Pastor Alan Hamilton at the time, this is what we were feeling, and we just kept praying. And we just kept asking the Lord, okay, what, you know, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? And we knew this was the target, we knew this was the target. One day, one afternoon, uh, it was April of 1988, Pastor Alan Hamilton uh, came to me and he asked me if I would be 
um, his executive pastor. is like his right-hand man, his second guy in charge. And, you know, we had that burden for Canby. So what I did is I called the person in charge, the denominational person in charge over this region, and I asked the question. I said, I've been offered this position, and I just want to know, is there any movement in Canby before I accept it? Because we're either going to be here or there. We're not going to be divided. We're going to be wherever we are, we're going to give the best. And, uh, and this, <laughs> this district supervisor said, no. He goes, nobody's going to leave that place. That place is a gym. That place is really, really a good place. He even used the phrase, things out of the 1940s or 50s. He said, it's a plum church. Gee whiz, you know, one of those. <laughs> and I thought, uh, this, this, okay, all right. So we know our, what our marching orders are. Marching orders are we tell Pastor Hamilton that, that we'll take that responsibility at the church we're at. So we took the responsibility one week Later, almost to the day, the pastor of Canby Four Square Church resigned. We missed it by one week. And you know, you know what that feels like? It's kind of devastating. It's kind of like, am I in God's will? Did I hear God? Was I listening? And you go through times like that. But here's the big thing about this. God always has his time. Man, God has his time. And he wants to work stuff out in our lives, even if it doesn't seem like it's on our clock. And this did not seem like it was on our clock. And I think both Annette and I were just heartbroken. We were thinking, what just happened? Because we've committed to this man, this church, Portland 4, and we're not going to change that commitment. We've given our word. This is where we're going to be. So I guess we're here till the next pastor leaves, and maybe then we'll get a shot at it. And that's what we said. But one of the things we did is I went into, I I had lunch at uh, the old Sizzlers on Martin Luther King Boulevard. And as I was getting up and walking out, there was uh, the founding pastor, Jack Gustafson, and his mother, Pauline, who just recently passed away. She's a matriarch of this church. She's one of the driving forces behind this church. They were sitting there having lunch together. And as I was walking out, they hadn't found a pastor yet. I was walking out and she called me over and she said, I want you to know something. I want you to know that God has his man for that church. And she was like, hit me right here, you know. And I'm, you know, I'm just minding my own business. I just had a stake, you know. And so she said, I want you to know, God has his man for that church. And Jack, uh, her son, said to his mom, Mom, why don't you just tell him who you think it is? And she said, no, I'm not going to do that. God will show us. God knows. God will make this work. Well, I I left. And I was really disturbed, you know. That didn't do me any good. I mean, it just turned everything up, and I'm thinking, oh, man, this is really frustrating. Went home, told Annette about that conversation, and here's what we did. We prayed, and we we put a fleece before the Lord, and this was the fleece. The fleece was that Alan Hamilton, my pastor, would come to us. He would release us and bless us to go to Canby. And then we laughed. Not, not out of so much disbelief, but the way things ran back then, that just didn't happen. Especially after you were assigned as the second person in charge, we thought, well, this really will be a miracle. I mean, this would be a big miracle if this happened. So we just put it aside. I mean, we, we did. We prayed. We said, here's the fleece. And um, that's what we would. We put it before the Lord. It was just a few weeks later. I was in the halls at work, and Pastor Hamilton passed me in the hall, and he looked at me, and he says, I, I need to see you in my office. Now, Back then, you only went to his office for a few reasons, and none of them were good. And so I'm thinking, oh, man. You know, and I'd been there eight years. I'd only seen his office three times. You know, I mean, this is different. Different church. Different way of things. Things did were different. And so I'm thinking, I'm in trouble, man. I'm getting a pink slip. I'm getting fired. I don't know what I did. So I walked in, and he was sitting across 
the desk. It looked a bit disheveled, and he said, you know, um, there is a chance that you guys can go uh, to Canby, Oregon. And I said to him, are you releasing me and, and blessing me to go? And he said, no, 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 that's not what I said. I didn't say that. And, I, and I'm, so I'm listening to him, and then he says it again. He goes, I want you to know there's, there's, just, there's a chance that you and Annette um, can go to Canby, Oregon. And I said this to him. I said, you know what? I cannot go. I cannot go unless you release me and bless me to go. I can't go. I'm either here and I work here unless you release me and bless me. I, I can't go. Folks, can I tell you something? That is the best way to live life. You know how much we live our lives out of our impetuous nature, out of our own fleshly desires, out of you know, things that we're really not submitted to because you know what? We're the one we're submitted to. And so we're, we're, we're signing off on our own bull. We need to be in places we are submitted and we say this is what, and I didn't like it. And it was not comfortable for us at all. And so what, what I did, as I said, I can't go, Pastor. I can't go. I can't go. He got up, walked around the desk, stood behind me, and he put his, um, his hands on my shoulders. And I, the reason it probably means a lot to me now because he just recently passed away. And he put his hands on my shoulders. And he said, son, I release you and I bless you to go. Man, you want to talk about off and running. So... I ran out of the office, and I called Annette, and I said, Annette, we got to pray if we're going to go to Canby or not. She goes, well, what did I say? We got released the fleece. It came true. She goes, I thought that's what we've been doing. We've been praying for that. That's what, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going. Wow. We're going. And so it was August 20th, 1988, that, that I met, Annette and I met with the elders and council members of this church in building number two across the parking lot. And when we went in, we sat down. You know, we don't know each other. We're trying to get to know each other. Everybody has their own questions. You know, look real. I, I even carried in a briefcase. You know, like I knew what I was doing. At least I wanted them to think I knew what I was doing. I didn't have a clue. And uh, so I walk in and, and uh, we start talking. We have these questions. And about, serious, about five minutes into these questions, everyone puts all the questions down, everything closed, and everyone starts crying. This is, this is the Lord. This is amazing. So the, the, the man running the meeting from Foursquare, he says, well, we, just, we need just to all stand and sing. We're standing on holy ground. So we all stood up and held hands and said, we're standing on holy ground. <laughs> so after the meeting, I'm talking to this guy from Foursquare, and I'm going, whoa. I said, that was amazing. I said, you get to do this all the time like this? And he goes, uh-uh. He goes, that's the first time that ever happened. We said, wow, this is amazing the way God had opened uh, the door. Well, while we were in that meeting, I was looking around the guys. And it was kind of weird because I looked around and I saw three guys. Two of them were old guys and one was a young guy. And they had blue buttons that said, it's a boy. And I'm thinking, wow, if these old guys are having babies, this is a prolific place, man. This is like Abraham and Sarah. We're having some, we're going to grow, you know, because these old guys are having babies, you know. And so I'm, I really, I'm looking at them going, whoa, you know, wow. And so afterwards, what I found out is it's a boy was the young guy at the time was young, um, was Doug. And it was Danny that was just born the day before. 
And so I mark my time here by Danny, CJ, and Andy Hostetler. Their birthdays are right there about the same time. They all turned 28 this summer. And so I went, wow, okay, that explains the young guy, but it doesn't explain the old guys, you know. So Doug then proceeded to tell me, well, those are the grandpas. Those are the grandpas. And I said, oh, wow, all right. Well, we're in a good place. So how many of you know Juanita Champ? You all know Juanita? Okay, yeah, Juanita's great. She was here last service. I don't think she's here this service. But Juanita came up to me, and how many know when you talk to Juanita, it's like almost hearing from God, because it's like, wow, I mean, there's no doubt here, there's an authority coming through, you know, you will do this, you know, and, um, and so she came up to me just within a week after we arrived, and she looked me in the eyes, and she pointed her finger, and she goes, and you, you will not be a missionary. We've already, we've already lost two I mean, they just go look somewhere, and then they're gone. You're not going anywhere, and you're not looking at nothing. You're staying right here. And I just said, yes, ma'am. I said, whoa. Man, her hair was on fire, you know? And I'm thinking, okay, you know what? I know if I disobey her, something bad's going to happen. I don't know what it'll be, but something bad will happen. And so what we did is we understood kind of at that point the, 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 the nature of where we were. And what we end up doing is so exciting because while those two pastors went out, we sent them, uh, we now send. So we've chosen to stay. In fact, we, I didn't take a missionary trip because of Juanita, by the way. I didn't go on the mission field, which every pastor probably should do. I didn't do it for 12 years because I'm thinking I'm afraid of her. You know, and I'm afraid of God. And no, no. Uh, so we waited 12 years, and my first missionary trip was to Sri Lanka. So I got a full dose going to Sri Lanka. But here's the thing. What we've been able to do over the years is we've watched God raise up people through this place. And what we understand is God's blessing is on this church. In fact, the theme scripture for this church is out of 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It's, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And we, we know that we've been blessed that way, that God has, has really, really blessed us. And you've heard a few phrases, very meaningful to us. Uh, here's one, keep the main thing the main thing. How many know what the main thing is? Jesus, 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 Jesus. His word, the main thing is always, always Jesus Christ at the center of this. And then we have a phrase that we use, and it really is a good phrase for me. It's something that I really, I, 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 I want to live by. It's a place to belong, to believe, and become. And can I tell you why that belong is there? That first word, that word belong is right there. Because that's how Jesus modeled everything. You didn't have to be in the religious club to belong to Jesus. You didn't have to know the passcode, you know, some religious kind of passcode to belong to Jesus. Do you know that if you ever came into his space that you knew you belonged? Did you know that whenever Jesus and wherever he was, whatever and whoever he crossed paths with, they immediately knew, except for scribes and Pharisees, they immediately knew they belonged. There was something about his love, his embrace, his invitation, his hospitality, that when you came into his space, you knew immediately that you were valued by your Father in heaven, immediately. Man, the people he... He had belong. I mean, blind Bartimaeus, Zacchaeus, 
tax collectors, sinners, prostitutes, all of these people in the presence of Jesus belong first. He didn't come to them and say, okay, you got to learn these spiritual laws right here and you got to know the hand waves and signals and all the codes. He said, no. He said, you come in and you have that sense that you belong to your Father in heaven. And guess what? Everyone in this room belongs. You belong to Jesus Christ. Now, it's you reckoning with that. It's you dealing with that. How, what does that look like? And that's why the next word is believe. You come into the presence and look what happens. They come into Jesus' presence. <laughs> Most of them have no clue you know, what they're signing up for, including the disciples. <laughs> they didn't get it for a long time. So they come in, they go, wow, this guy's on his way somewhere. I belong to something. And then what happens is God begins to work by his Holy Spirit where there is a belief that begins to develop. The belief for Peter was, and for all of us who come to that place of realization by the Holy Spirit, is you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. But he he was with Jesus for a while, by the way, (laughs) until he said that. So he comes to that place of believing. And I want to say, with the belonging... With a belonging, all of us have a responsibility to exercise, to reach out, to say you belong. That's the nature of your church. Whoever you do. So you have a, a, a belonging and then a belief. And what happens after you belong and believe? Wow, you can't help it now. You become. You become like who? You become like Jesus Christ. Now I'm becoming like Jesus Christ. Why? Because I've been invited. I belong. And there's a belief that's happening. It's taking an anchor, a root, faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. What's going on? And I become like Jesus Christ. That's our goal. So you belong. You believe. You you become. And what's come out of that? The prophetic words. This has been called a place of healing, a place of blessing, a place of multiplying. By the way, you've planted a lot of churches out of here, and that's the multiple church plants have come from here. Pretty amazing. Do you know the first church plant is the Malala Foursquare Church? I don't know if you know that. Planted, I think we were only here three or four years, decided we need to plant a church. So we planted a church in Malala. Pastor Barry and uh, Kathy are the uh, pastors in that church. And then after that, it was in just different places, Wilsonville, Oregon City, Portland. And then we, we found out we were going to do our first transcontinental church. This is a mind blower. Because we're out of Canby, you know, and we're being at, we're going to go plant a church in Castle Rock, Colorado, so 1,300 miles away, 1,300 miles. And we thought, okay, I, we're on. Do you know what you're doing? Nope. Uh, so, but we know we need to do this. We need to plant this church. We need to plant this church. We need to send these people. By the way, a decision made early on about your budget here is this that, this, listen to this, that our mortgage would never dictate planting churches or not planting churches, ever. That we want to be free financially. When God says, go plant, you go plant. When God says, go, you go. And that we are not dictated by, by money. So right now, you know how much your mortgage is to your general fund? About 7%. That's better than your house, by the way. You should all be going, wow, that's better than what I do. It is. It's a lot better than what you do. So what we do is we have this freedom. So God says, plant in Castle Rock, Colorado. <laughs> so, we, so the I-25, wow, front range, okay. We just knew that this is what God wanted. So we put this out there. Hey, we're going to plant Castle Rock, Colorado. Everybody's going, what? But can I tell you what happened? Young families, friends, everyone, 80 to 100 people picked up roots here and are now and have influenced that I-25 corridor. 80. To 100 people. That's incredible. Who does stuff like that? Who does stuff like that? You know? And I'll tell you what. It's a cost. 
relationship is a cost because you are connected. I'm connected with these people. To see people go is hard on you. It's hard on you. Remember when Alan Hamilton laid hand on me and said, hey, you're blessed? I was going, yeah, I'm only in my early 30s. Yeah, you should have done that a long time ago. That's what this is all about. You got that young, you know, you can do it and everybody should do it. You get older and it is not that easy. Because why? You love people. It's a weird thing God asks you to do. Lay your life down for your sheep and then send them away. What? You know, there's some I do want to send away, but not, you know, I want to, I mean, but mostly nice, you know. And so we start this church plant and 80 to 100 people pick up and they put roots down in Colorado. And here's how I knew what we were doing was, was really sacrificial to you and to this church. <laughs> I was so excited about this and what God was doing. I had a, a mother or a grandmother come up to me and I thought she was going to say, oh, Ryan, I'm so excited. She didn't. She looked me in the eyes and she, she goes, I'm really ticked at you. I said, whoa. I said, why are you mad? She goes, I'm really mad at you. Why? She goes, you're sending my grandkids away. Oh, yikes, man. It's like, oh, no. Listen, there's a sacrifice. This is not an easy road all the time. If you ever think it is, it's not. There is a lot. And most of it's a relational sacrifice. Most of it's right here. Most of it's here. I didn't know who was going to go. Because there were some I was saying, no, don't go. Some I was saying, go. But you never know. That's a God thing. And by the way, if God's stirring your heart that way, same way, then I, I want to talk to you. Because this is a place that sins. It's in your DNA to do this. So we do that. We plant the church. We send out missionaries. Uh, Sean, Albania, Africa. We'll go to Uganda, Rwanda, that area. We have Estonia. Uh, we have places, uh, Germany. We have places all over the world that have been influenced by you. You need to understand that magnitude and what you really are a part of. And then, how do we train these people? That was what was crazy for me. I said, man, we're sending these people out. They're rookies. You know, and most of us feel that way. So what do we do is we start Canby Bible College, at first called Leadership Training Institute. And like I said earlier, it's all kind of birthed out of pain. It is. Well, there was personal pain to starting Canby Bible College because it happened over a cup of coffee. Someone called me, and they were in the church, and they said, hey, I want to have a cup of coffee with you. Um, and things were going really well, and I thought, oh, this guy wants to talk about how good things are going. We sat down, and he says, you know, I, I really can't learn from you. <laughs> I'm thinking, what? <laughs> he says, you know, you're not, you're, um, I need more than what you teach. You're not really a good teacher. And so I need more. I need more. And so I'm listening to this guy, and this is painful. You know, it's painful. But when we were done, I said, you know, he's right. And by the way, if your only word is this half hour, you're, you might be messed up. Let it sink in. If this is all you're getting of God's word and fellowship, you might be messed up. Because you need more. And the reality of that came through a very difficult conversation. So I came back to what team we had, and I said, guys, we can't just, it can't just be Sunday morning. This has to be about sending. This has to be about seven days a week. This has to be a lot bigger than just a weekend. And that's how, in 1998, Canby Bible College was started. And today, influences, impacts the globe. That's how those things start. So we have that happening. So making disciples who make disciples. Isn't that what we're about? 
This is what I love. Matthew, so it's biblical. You've got to hear this. Matthew 4, 18 through 20 says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into a lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. That's our call. That's your call. That, that, that's, to me, that's the gospel. So making disciples who make disciples, how does that happen? Happens through small groups. Happens through our life groups around here. Uh, we have new interns. They just signed up. They're starting this. You've seen them running around. You'll meet them again in a couple of weeks. The other thing that we do is we do recovery groups. A lot of that. You know why? Because Jesus comes to wherever we are. Do you know that? Do you know? Do you think about the disciples Jesus got a hold of? They were cracked. They had some real issues they had to deal with. They really did. I mean, the ones that followed Jesus, I mean, they had demons cast out of them. They got healed from their brokenness internally and externally. They didn't come to him whole. See, church sometimes wants people to come to you whole. People don't come to us whole. We come broken. We are broken. That's why Jesus came. He came because you are broken. And that's why he died on the cross and rose again. So we could have that life. So we need to make sure we're doing this. One of the ways that we do it, I love it. We have our recovery groups, NAAA. Uh, We also have a Genesis. It's going to be kicking up pretty soon. Mike, come up here. I want to introduce Mike Cushing, Mike and Lori. Mike and Lori oversee our Genesis. And so I just asked Mike, we're going to, come on, yeah, yeah. He just got his hip uh, replaced, and so these twice. two, twice. So when I walk like that, these are two baseball guys. We think between the two of us, we have one good leg. We do. <laughs> At least a half a brain. Half a brain, half a brain and one good leg, so we can do it. Uh, but Mike and Lori have done a great job. And, and I, want, I want you just to hear a little bit about Genesis. And, and if you're wondering, what do I do? How do I, how do I deal with some of that brokenness I have to deal with? Because we all do. How do I do that? Um, um, Mike and Lori lead that, and it's great. So, Mike, let me, let me start this way. How, how does Genesis make disciples? It reveals the, the freedom to become who God created you to be. And I think so much of the time especially in addiction, um, it's about trying to manage the what. And for me, it was alcohol, um, 30 years. And Genesis reveals the why of why I was doing that. And once we understand the why, then we can proceed to become who God created us to be. And uh, James had a great illustration last week when he spoke on the prodigal sons. And the younger son obviously had some issues, right? And uh, when we talk about addiction, we tend to talk about, like, the big five things, right? So drugs and alcohol, sex, food, and gambling. And we kind of go through this process in our mind, and we check off the box, and hopefully we don't have any checks. And and we feel pretty good about that, which you should feel pretty good about that. The problem is, James also talked about the older son. And he had different boxes that he checked. Mm -hmm. For him, they were work and envy and anger. And those are just as destructive Mm -hmm. in becoming who God created you to be. And... We had kind of this mantra when we were when I was coaching baseball, and that is everybody reverts back to what they know when the pressure is on. Mm-hmm. 
and, and the analogy there is, is that we all have things that we do to cope. Mm-hmm. When the heat gets turned up, we turn to something. It may not be the big five, but I can almost guarantee you that it is something. Mm-hmm. So for you personally, what drew you to Genesis? Because that's what's happened here. So for me, it was uh, the first step was just getting sober. Uh, and AA allowed me to do that. And next came this question that God asked me, and that question was, will you give me the things you hide in the dark? Mm. And sobriety gave me the opportunity to hear that question, Mm -hmm. but Genesis gives me the opportunity to answer that question. Mm -hmm. And it, it really is about understanding the why. Mm-hmm. Why do we do what we do? Mm-hmm. So we deal with the why, and um, I guess the next question is, how did Genesis help you answer that? I think it's the same thing, you know, that Paul asked that same question in Romans. Why do I do the thing I do? Paul didn't ask, well, how do I manage it better? How do I just do better, be better? The, the what will never be resolved until I understand the why. Mm-hmm. And I can't understand the why. I can't change my behavior until my heart changes. Because that's really where my behavior flows from. Mm-hmm. And Genesis gives us the opportunity to understand and change our heart, mm-hmm. first and foremost. Mm-hmm. For me, in the 30 years that, that I was drinking, I never once thought about stopping. I just thought about doing it less and how to manage it better because I never understood the why. I never understood the fear that drove me to do that. I never understood the wounds that fed that fear. And Genesis has a central question that it asks everybody that goes through it, and that simply is, what would you do if you weren't afraid? And that's where the freedom of recovery comes from because I truly believe recovery it's about recovering who God created you to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the process of reading a book called uh, The Good Life by Charles Colson. And he has a comment in there that says, um, is, human beings want to feel significant, have value, and human dignity. Mm-hmm. And that's the very thing that our, our addiction robs of us. Mm-hmm. But Genesis has the ability to restore those things. Which is what recovery does. The redemptive power of recovery is to restore our significance, our value, and our human dignity. And I kind of have this um, moment where I, I, I think about, you know, I don't understand the whole omni thing. You know, God is everywhere all the time, thinking about everybody all the time. I kind of get that, but. So for me, it, it, I think of it in terms of when God created Saturn. And just before he put the rings around it, he thought of me. He said, what are, what are we going to do with Mike Cushing? Who is he going to be? And I think Genesis is the revelation of that divine creation, that you're unique in God's eyes, and he has created you specifically to fulfill what he's called you uniquely to do. Mm-hmm. And Genesis is the opportunity to tie those things together. So if we look at this, and this is what I wanted to say, and I said it last service, 
when you think about God putting you on this planet for a purpose and he has created you uniquely and we all know that there are bumps and bruises and hurts and pains and brokenness along the way because you live on an imperfect planet that has a lot of sin you get knocked around so then the question is is how many of us are in recovery right now there you go good you guys are getting this it's all of us you know it's all of us it might not be the big 5 Maybe, and that's, you have to deal with those things. But there's, there's, there's these things that we have to, and it doesn't, you don't just get over it some magical age. Like when you're 50, okay, I've been there and done it. Listen, you're still living life, and if you're still living life, you're going to still get banged around. you got relational hurts. you got other things that you got. You have to be current with those things, and that's one of the things I know Genesis helps us deal with. It helps us stay current. Our recovery groups helps us stay current with what it is that God is doing and what the, what, what's, how is the world affecting me on this journey uh, to Jesus and become more like him. So here's the other question. And it's one we're all dying to hear. When do we start? So we'll start September 19th at 7 o'clock in Building 2. Um, have an orientation. So come and if you have questions, obviously we're going to answer all those. Uh, and hopefully, um, you'll find a reason to belong, Ron talked about. Mm-hmm. A while ago, the Lord was, uh, so as I was praying about this new season, I was like, okay, God, what do you want to do? Last time, uh, we had a meal, and, and it was awesome. It was great. So, Lord, what do you want to do this time? And he said, you need to learn how to celebrate. And I thought he was talking about you guys, but what he was really talking about was me. And... And the great thing about uh, releasing is our facilitators, almost all of them, are on to different things. Mm-hmm. They're on to following who God created them to be. Mm-hmm. And that is an awesome thing. Mm-hmm. The downside of that is, obviously, we need some more. And I always look at that as just, I ask the question, um, will you do for someone else what somebody did for you? That's cool. And that's really the question. Yeah. And that's it. That's where we know no free lunches, man. No free lunches. So we want to make sure that uh, we pass. We do. Yes. We want to pass that on. Hey, thank you. Let Mike know you appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, brother. I'm going to wrap this up right now. But one of the things I want to tell you, and you're looking through your life, taking inventory, which we should, and you say, man, I don't really have any of big fives in my life. And I'm thankful for that. By the way, that's a good thing. Um, If you do, you have to deal with them. Um, but, But there might be another area of recovery you need to look at. So if you're one of those people in church, and you've been in church forever, and you look at anyone who has a struggle with a big five, and you you judge them, or you're critical, or you point your finger, or you say, man, I'm glad I'm not like them, you might need to be in recovery. I'm just saying, you might need to be in recovery. And it might be the recovery you need to go through is through your religious grid. And you need to have that wiped out, cleaned, and made whole. Because that'll keep us. That'll keep us from going the places God wants us to go. So part of my recovery, part of your recovery, you know what else God has designed? And it is a critical part of your recovery. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's a critical part of your journey. Oftentimes we leave it out. We shouldn't. It's you have to, you, you are required and asked by God to serve others. That's, that's, while I'm serving, that's part of my health. That's how I get stronger, by serving others. And we're in a place, we're saying, we got to do that. God, help us do that. God's given us a lot of ways to do it. But I want you to listen to this video for just a second and uh, listen to the testimonies here. Go ahead. 
Um, <laughs> thank you, Jordy and Hunter. And there is a, a, a fringe benefit to that. They just got married recently. So I'm just saying. So they, you know, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. So listen, it is really, it's about serving. It's part of who God's created us to be. And not only serving here, but serving in community. We have these great opportunities. Many of you know about Can Be Cares. It's already been pointed out. You can see joy in the... Um, in the lobby, and this is a big deal for us because we are opening our doors to the whole community, and there are uh, probably going to be upwards to a thousand, twelve hundred or so people here, and we need, we we really do need all the help we can get to reach into the community, touch and bring the gospel in some practical ways. So do this with me. Why don't you stand up? Again, thank you, man. This has been uh, oh photo albums. I forgot to mention that. the photo albums. You want to really see like some. Bad pictures of me. There, there's some. You didn't get enough. Uh, there's some right out in the lobby. There's a lot of photo albums. You can go and check it out. You do. Let me say this. You have a rich history. You have a great heritage. You've created a legacy, and we want to continue to make that alive and well in Jesus' name. If you need someone to pray with you right after the. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbefoursquare.com.